<laughs> the boys are back. And if it wasn't copyrighted, I would play that. The boys are back in town. Um, t- today's episode, we're going to do, because this is the big discussion. Perkins, who's on the Kingless podcast and also on Iron Culture, hasn't dropped yet. Might be dropping by the time you guys hear this, so make sure you check it out. Did a amazing 851 performance and has everybody talking. Is this the greatest powerlifting performance we've ever seen in the history of our sport? Happens from time to time when a massive performance comes around. There's no debating. It's an amazing performance. It's a historical performance. Where does it lie amongst the greatest performances of all time? Bit of a discussion. I got some OGs in the game. People who've been at several world championships, been around for years, and won't suffer from the recency bias. Let's give our top five Best performances of all time in powerlifting. Oh, what's what do we got here, Eric? What are you putting on there, sir? My uh, <laughs> USAPL. There we go. Twenty seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. First world. How do you guys both have it readily available? Both coaching and worlds. Do you, do you not have yours readily available? Come on. <laughs> I don't know where this shit by 2017. I was there, I promise. Wow. You got all of them, bro. Scott, <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Eric's pulling out his Sheffield 2000. Oh, then here, of course, you can see the NZ bullshit. They didn't even print it out. Look at that. 2018 World Championships. Calgary, Canada, Nation NZ, because he flip flops. Right. Which one's that? Commonwealth 2022. Commonwealth, even Commonwealth. And Matt pulls out friggin' 1997. Okay. Yeah. The year year Biggie was murdered. (laughs) You don't want to play this game with Matt in the room. Then the the most recent. Good times. 2023. Malta. All good. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. Do you want to just show that again? Do you want to show the ID photo again on that last uh, one? No. And in fact, no one should. Uh... <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, listen, I wasn't the only one. All right. There was a number of people who read and that. An embarrassing photo. number of people took a photo of their passport to put as their ID photo. Oh. Okay. Well, remind me if I got to blur anything out later. But anyways, because <laughs> um, this will go on Spotify video. But nevertheless, point made, we got a lot of significant historical data coming to the table here by people who have been to world championships for a better part of a decade. And some of us much more than that. Um, so we know in our lists can be whatever the hell we want. It's just sports debate. I myself am generally focusing on when the IPF went raw in 2012 and I'm mostly looking at tested. All right. But, you guys, when you step in with your lists, we'll start at number five and we'll work our way down to number one, what we feel each is the most significant, impressive performance in our sports history. And you could say, my list is comprised of, there's no right and wrong answers here, just like when you're arguing, arguing sports at the sports bar, having a couple beers with the fellas. So for my number five, Kind of let myself off the hook. I got a tie for number five, but I promise you there's no more ties after number five. Okay, so let me get past my number five with a tie. I'll go first and I'll tell you what, what I got here, gentlemen. Um, 
Resting at number five, Amanda Lawrence, 2019 Worlds, when she went nine for nine and defeated, or actually, sorry, she missed her third squat, but nailed her third deadlift when Daniela Mello missed her third deadlift and defeated arch rival Daniela Mello. And the reason why that's my number five, A, it satisfies a few things. World records in play. We had never seen a performance like this by the 84s. Year previous, the world championships was won with 571. Both of these ladies went to 613. So was it historically significant in terms of performance at a world stage? Absolutely. What but what I like about this one, which isn't always the case with all these performances that are going to be on the list, there was a rival there to push her to the very brink. And she needed the very last deadlift and she showed up. That was significant. And who? The rival defending world champion, Daniela Mello. So the quality of opposition was extremely high. The hype and pressure, extremely high. How significant was this? In terms of women's powerlifting, very few rivals had this type of hype around it and this type of reach. 2019 Worlds was extremely well-reached in good numbers. Very significant historically and still holds up to this day if you watch it. Still holds up to this day both numbers-wise in that division as well as the impact these ladies had. Um, so for me, 2019 Amanda Lawrence's World Championship win is number five. Tied is another massive head-to-head -head showdown. Jessica Bittner. 2022, Jessica, a perfect nine for nine day, capping it off with the world record deadlift and the biggest, how, how significant is this? The biggest deadlift we'd ever seen in the IPF in the raw division. On top of that, who was she battling? We had the reigning classic champion showdown with the reigning equipped champion. And I get the shit go. You get no better than this. World champion versus world champion, nine for nine performance, right down to the very last deadlift. Oh, and by the way, it's the biggest deadlift, not in the weight class, but period in the IPF. It doesn't get much sweeter. The hype was huge and it lived up. And then to this day, still extremely significant. We all look back on that class as one of the best classes, what session, sorry, one of the best sessions we ever seen at any IPF worlds. So for me, those two performances satisfy. Historical significance in terms of achievement, head-to-head, um, was there hype around it, and does it still hold up to this day? Both of them tied for my fifth place. Who got next? I can go next. Uh, and uh, the reason why is because if you think you were cheating with having uh, two fifth-place tied, I did a whole lot of cheating for this list. I have uh, top five men, top five women, I didn't put them in order so I could get off the hook. I have an honorable mention for both. And I also have a historical man and historical woman. <laughs> I am basically Dude, just trying to Leah be Babel scared the everyone. shit out of you. Leah Babel's got you shook. <laughs> she got, got you me shook. Very, shook. very, very shook. Um, she can squat 200 kilos all the time. I, I will put that on my, I will say that on my deathbed. Okay. So, and the reason I also wanted to go is because I actually have a very similar um, fifth place on the women's side uh, with Amanda Lawrence. I did not choose that battle, although that's a very, very excellent choice. I did actually choose when I believe it was at a, a regional meet or local meet. She went 646 in 2020. 
And the reason being is that 646 total briefly put her, I think, on almost all the formulas, if not all of them, as the number one ranked male and female by formula uh, raw drug tested lifter in the world. And I remember because we had her on Iron Culture and that's what we titled it, the strongest powerlifter in the world. Um, you know, inflammatory because there was no qualifiers, you know, there's no pound for pound. It wasn't multiply equipped. So, you know, that was on purpose. You know, you got to get some Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's a little rattled, some feathers a little ruffled, you know, um, but it's all, of course, to give shine to the lifter and bring some attention to it. And uh, a 646 total at 84 is just bonkers. And it is um, one of those unrivaled totals. Uh, and the reason why it's not higher on my list, and I'm going to say it's in, in, in fifth there, is because it wasn't a head-to-head. It wasn't Worlds. It wasn't with a bunch of things on the line. But it is pretty cool when you get to see just one of the strongest lifters in the world just let their hair down and, and blow out whatever they can do. And then on the men's side, this one's a little interesting. Um, it is Ser- Sergei Fedosenko's 59-kilogram uh, current world record of 669 and a half. Now, the reason why I chose this one and put it on the list, in comparison, the the records that we have, and I'm, I focused on drug tested uh, raw lifting, including you know current USAPL as well as current IPF. That's the oldest standing open total world record on the IPF world record list. All the other ones are much more recent. On the women's side. This is a crazy statistic I po- posted on my threads not too not too long ago. The oldest record in the women's open total is from 2022. So if you think we're at the peak or we're starting <clears throat> to top out, you are wrong because we're, we're still climbing the mountain. I think the men um, in maybe a few weight classes, uh, you know, that, that, that may be the case, but I, I think we're, we're a little further up the hill. We're closer to something that might be resembling maybe a more of a plateaued peak. I'm not saying this sport isn't going to improve, but uh, I think we have to mention, even if Sergey wasn't necessarily facing a, you know, a crazy battle in 2016, that that is the most untouchable record that is currently on uh, the, the record list in the 59 kilo class. And I think we're still seeing that class develop. So that one's probably going to stand for a little bit longer. And those are my two fifth fifth place spots. Let me add one caveat to yours, just to uh, back up your Amanda Lawrence. She also, as an 84, had the biggest total period, regardless of weight classes that year with that performance. That is true. That is true. Very good point. So period, the biggest performance that year, and she's not in the biggest weight class, which doesn't happen very often. So that's significant. Um, Matt, you want to go next? Kind of. I, I'm going to defer to to Rory because I feel like a loser here with my picks. But all right, <laughs> all right, Rory, you go. Wow. And that's that's second guessing himself. Now I'm really interested what Matt has. Man. Okay, I I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't cheated. I've come up with an absolute top five list in order. Okay. Um, but I will say that when I was coming up with like my notes for this, I came up with about 15 performances that were like, wow, I'd really like to put all of these into my top five list. Um, so if people are disagreeing- You could have just done it. I got 14. So I'm just saying. You know. <laughs> if people are disagreeing with my list, I'm definitely not taking that personally. Um, but in fifth place, I will say that I have uh, Brittany Schlater's 2023 World Championships performance. She went 
nine for nine. Uh, so she squatted uh, 281 kilograms. That was the record at the time. It was was broken shortly afterwards, so she didn't get to hold it. But she did break the squat world record. She benched 155, which is just like huge, um, and deadlifted 257.5. She added 13 and a half kilograms to the world record total, which is just like a really big amount to be adding to it to, to a already good world record total. And she did this head to head at the world championships against like two lifters who are individually, we would say are incredibly dominant and she beat both of them head to head. And so like, is it the best good lift points or the best dots of all time? Like, no, it's not, but it was a performance that, I was blown away to watch. I, it was absolutely incredible. Um, one of the standout sessions for me at Worlds. So, like, I, that's that's my number five pick. What do you think, sir? And put it. Okay, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, no, please speak up, Ryan. <laughs> I was just going to say one of my honorable mentions is that's actually um, Alexis Jones with seven twenty one at the past uh, USCP level. We're keeping those. That's one of my afterwards. actual six. Okay, well, never mind. I'm going to see camera lines. That's why I don't. I shouldn't have said anything. You go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I think. Wow, this is so. I went ahead and scrunched all mine together as well. I guess, kind of like you did, Ryan, and like Rory. I I think um, I didn't do as a, as extensive of a list as Eric. So apologies to the listeners who are looking. To me, being I'm the, the most, one who should be apologizing. No, for those of you who are listening and looking to me as the, as the most senior member here, um, by by a long shot, um, I've got some historical stuff that I'll be happy to mention at the end. But I really did condense it down to the top five performances, um, regardless of of gender. So I I combined the the women and the men, and it's number five was extraordinarily hard to pick for me, um, and I'm probably going to get a lot of shade for this one, but. Um, I'm coming in with <clears throat> with Taylor Atwood in 2021 at USAPL Raw Nationals. His 838 and a half total, which we're all very much aware of. And the reason that I picked that one is because it was a groundbreaking performance at the time. It was literally and figuratively light years ahead of the rest of the competition. And, and he did have competition there, by the way. I mean, Austin Perkins competed against him at that meet and had hit an 800 kilo total at the time, albeit at a slightly heavier body weight, but was, and totaled 770 at that meet. So he was no slouch. Um, he also had Michael C there. So it's not like he was lifting essentially unopposed. Um, it's just that what he did that day, I don't think anybody saw that coming other than a couple of us who were privy to the behind the scenes information that was taking place in the videos and the game planning and the strategizing at the time. So I was, I was anticipating an atomic, if you will, bomb drop of a performance because I knew what was going on behind the scenes, but nobody else really knew that that was coming. Unlike Austin's recent performance where it was anticipated. We'd, we'd seen his recent 825. Uh, I think everybody you know, taking the temperature of the room in the powerlifting community, anticipated something bigger than 825. With Taylor, it was one of these, it was a Roger, a Roger Bannister moment, if you will, where, you know, the four-minute mile gets broken. And nobody thought that this was, what he was doing was achievable. And I'm not a fan of 
I've made it very clear I'm not a fan of any of these metrics, the dot score, the good lift points, the Wilkes, any of that stuff, because Ryan, as you've said, you know, it's been well documented and you and I share the same opinion there. We can tweak the system. We can tweak the metric. And if we switch metrics for different years, it crowns a different champion and that sort of thing. So I'm not really a proponent of using those scores. I understand the desire for us. Naturally, it's human desire to compare lighter people to heavier people and kind of try to figure out, you know, where do they fall in the spectrum of, of greatness and, and human performance and boundary pushing and all of those things. So, but I'm, but, but yeah, so T Taylor's performance for me at that particular time, I'm putting that at number five. Um, you know, it, it just was, was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I don't know what else I can say about it. You know, I was obviously close to the action. I'm also kind of a proponent of these nine for nine performances. Now he did go eight for nine that day because we all know that he jumped to press command on his third bench. Um, but again, to put it in perspective, it, it's not like he missed the lift, physically missed it or didn't lift the weight. He was capable of lifting it. And then, you know, even went into the gym a week later and proved that he was capable of doing more, um, albeit under gym conditions. So that doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a, you know, a, a, a carnival act, if you will, kind of lift. But anyway, so that's why I have Taylor at number five. Of course, I've got some bias there because, you know, I was able to to call the shots and call the attempts and and was was right there with boots on the ground and a part of that performance. But I just think it was, you know, at the time, such an outlier performance that it 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 cements its place in history, at least for me. Moving on to our number fours, gentlemen. And um, I'll go first. So this one is going to be, this is where things are going to get a little contentious, I think. Because, uh, I have Austin Perkins hitting 859 at USAPL Nats. 851. 851, sorry. 851. Yep. Yeah. Now, Austin Perkins, the reason why this is so historically significant and everybody already knows, it's so recent, so... But I'll, I'll rehash it. Nine for nine. Um, <laughs> not only bests Taylor's previous, I get it. He's point whatever the heck, slightly more body weight. But obviously the body weight so close, it's comparable. Um, it's a phenomenal performance. Beating 838.5, not by a little bit either, but by enough, a sizable enough amount. Oh, by the way, also besting anything we'd ever seen in the 82s or 83s. It, not just on that day, but period ever. It was a historically significant performance. Nine for nine, Matt. I know you enjoy those nine for nines. You're going to like that. And overshadowed in, to a large extent, lost in the mix. But he had opposition. Joe Bornstein went 800.5. 800.5 kilos. For 75 kilo lifter is a, it's an amazing total, you know, and he was 74 point whatever again, like the, these are not, it's, it's definitely small enough body weight to be comparable to 74. So use that. And he was just so far ahead, 851, uh, a masterful for performance to Matt's point. Yes, it wasn't quite the, I had Austin on the podcast and he said, Taylor set the standard for which I was chasing and changed what everybody thought was possible. And we, due to that, we kind of somewhat seen a Perkins or someone's going to come, but just absolutely crazy. And in the top five, as a matter of fact, nestles as my top four. 
who got next? <laughs> I can go next again. We can keep that order because uh, I think. So uh, again, still cheating. I have a, a fourth place for, for both men and women. <laughs> um, easy one. I actually have Taylor Atwood's 838 and a half at 2021 USAPL in my fourth spot for the men for all the reasons Matt mentioned. And since we did bring up how that could be seen as contentious, having Austin there, the, the one thing I will say is the reason why I could not, like, I, I just don't think Austin's performance erases that because the relative leap in, in what was seen at the time is, is a little different. Taylor showed we can total in the 840s. It's possible humans can total in the 840s at that class. So it's a, a little less surprising to see someone hit a fit, even though Austin finished with like most of like nine RPEs. You're um, spoiling your own list, though. It kind of sounds like you don't have Austin on your list now. I do. I absolutely do have Austin on my list. Oh, yeah, it's higher than Taylor. So, um, so I do. Because even though it's it's a relative historic thing, you still I, like I just couldn't couldn't consciously put eight thirty eight above eight fifty one. So they're both on. Mm. Um, and I I don't even know if my logic's consistent. This is very hard and very subjective. And I think there's a lot of amazing performances. So um, again, just trying not to get hated by people I like. Uh, and then in the women's spot, um, God, this one actually I batted around a lot because at first I had Brittany Schlater, and then I was like. Where do I fit Alexis Jones? And I ended up eventually going with Alexis Jones because 721.5 for <laughs> a junior. No, I'm not even going to qualify it. If you told me, and I don't care if you're green, eight feet tall, two feet tall, or or purple, brown, I don't, or, or what is in your pants? If you said my total is 721.5, <laughs> I would say, good God, you're strong. Like super heavies in the men's division, sometimes, you know, like five years in, they're totally in the 700s. Like, oh, it's a strong guy. Like, damn. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so and 721 is just effing strong. So I think what a 721.5 total says for a junior uh, in the women's division right now, and what I said about how the the oldest records only from last year, I think people are going to be shocked at where the difference between men and women actually ends up in five mm -hmm. years. And I think, you know, you start correcting for lean body mass and it's going to be hard to tell, um, <laughs> which is a, a really, really interesting thing to me as, as, a, as a scientist and a really, really cool thing, I think, for anyone who's a fan of strength. So I, I had to I had to eventually, Brittany, honestly, it was awesome to watch your session. I still contend that's the best session from uh, IPF Worlds, but... But I had I got to give it to Alexis Jones. Seven twenty one point five is insane. It's insane. And it's interesting. If I could add two cents before you get into your men's side, it comes down to: Do you favor head to head performances like Rory L likes the head to head, and who won a head to head, or do you like? Um, it's not necessarily head to head, but it's a standout performance. Like, oh my god, historically speaking, this is so mind blowing. I, and there's that a limit there because because like yeah. if I. Like it, when it was 701, I would have gone with Bernie Schlater because it's close. But it, but then there's another 20 kilos. Like, what do I eat less? Yeah. It's nuts. It's crazy. I, I agree man, with Eric. It was Taylor Atwood. So, I like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I yeah, think, that's right. Sorry. I, I was just going to chime in. I think when it's so, for lack of a better word, Eric, stratospheric like that. Yeah. Perfect. When you knock, when you knock it so far out of the park, so far out of what people think is is possible then yeah 
I place it, you know, because I'm like you, Ryan and Rory. I like those head-to-head battles. Um, I think that they can bring out the best in somebody. And look, anybody can go in and lift unopposed and, you know, just swing for the fences and and put together that magical day nine for nine where they, you know, essentially, ma- you know, they treat it as a max out day versus a true competition. So I, don't get me wrong. I'm always in favor of those times when it's head to head matchups. I think we can all agree that we would rather see three, four or five people battling for the podium or one and two people going neck and neck battling for the gold than we would just somebody list, lifting at a, you know, um, an exhibition, if you will. But when someone puts together a performance to Eric's point there of 721, you know, the 721 stands out so far above and beyond even like the 701 that, that in those times, we can count those performances as the greatest of all time, or, you know, greatest performances of all time are in the top five. So I'll let Rory go with his number four and then I'll chime in. Sure. So my number four is actually a little bit of an outlier pick uh, for me. It's a it's a set seven for nine performance. So like not super notable in that respect, but it was uh, 2019 Ray Williams totaling 1,112.5 kilograms. And the reason that I'm picking that is in a way, uh, so that was that was the day that Ray squatted 490 kilograms. And so in a way, that was a performance that at least made me believe that higher levels are possible. And so even now today, when that record is another 40 kilograms higher than that total, nobody has squatted within 20 kilograms of that still. I think Jesus's best squat in competition is still 470. And so like that squat by itself, made made that performance like at least in my mind there's very few things that come close to a raw drug tested human walking out and squatting 490 kilograms and uh just to throw a little little more onto it that was 100 kilograms ahead of the next best total by any raw ipf lifter that year i think the next best was uh jezza uepa at 1012.5 kilograms which is still an insane total and Ray was 100 kilograms ahead of that. That was my yeah. number four pick. I love the perspectives when you could say, oh, by the way, so just so you know how ahead of the game that person was at the time, and you give a little little perspective like you just did. Yeah, it's crazy. It still is crazy. 490. It's my insane. God. He's, right, he's right there from 500 kilos raw. Uh, still yeah, can I uh, – naturally, I was his coach for that day. I want to just add some behind the scenes. Is it okay if I do that? So Please. we – yeah, so there's the, the two times in Ray's career when I think he was at the absolute pinnacle of his strength twice, and, and we could argue that the strength was probably even, was that Arnold performance that, that Rory brings up, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. And also 2018 Calgary, Canada. At both of those competitions, he was primed and ready. The training set it. The data was there. Healthy. He was feeling good. 500 was going on the bar. That was the plan. We were going to squat 500 kilos. We, we had set the attempts up that way, the warm-ups. We were intentionally going to do that, even more so at the Arnold, because it was this exhibition. You know, we, we, we tempered our enthusiasm slightly in Calgary. We backed our opener down slightly, but 500 was still within the realm of possibility, and things didn't go our way. He didn't squat the standard, and we had to repeat and all that sort of thing. But at the Arnold, it was a completely different story. There's no consequence for missing other than possibly, you know, losing out on some cash at the time. So he, he crushed his opener at that competition um, with 450 kilos. And we, we, we took our, our normal standard jump, which at his strength is about 25, but we went 27 and a half. So we went to 477.5. 
And we knew <clears throat> by virtue of one of the referees there, there was a very tough referee who was going to be sitting on his high hip. And we, we'd already discussed it, you know, the, what the play call was going to be. And um, he got called on depth on the 477 and a half. He also didn't get his foot set completely to the way that he liked it. So he didn't hit the 477 and a half as smoothly and as cleanly as he would have liked. So I could see it in his eyes when he came off the platform that there was a little bit of hesitation there in terms of putting 500 on the bar. So we both, I immediately said, yeah, I think based on the fact that number one, you just got called on depth and number two, that that wasn't as clean and as smooth as you would have liked it because you didn't get your foot set. I said, how about 490? And he says, that's exactly what I was thinking. So we took the 490. Of course, he comes out, he gets his feet perfect to Rory's point. He smashes it, probably had the 500 on that attempt, To, if I'm being quite honest, goes on, goes three for three in the bench, hitting a PB. And then, oh, by the way, we loaded up the deadlift, the final deadlift that day to try to get him that 2,500 pound raw total. And he just wasn't able to finish out you know, the competition with that final deadlift. So we were intentional going there. That's why we chose 397 and a half on his final deadlift that day was to get him that 2,500, you know, pound historic mark, if you will. Um, but anyway, so hopefully that adds some context. But yeah, that was just a, I'll never forget that moment. That entire ballroom was absolutely electric. Every single person in the room was on their feet with phones in the air. And it was the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. And, and those opportunities, you know, it's just an environment and a, a, a cultural moment and an event, you know, unlike any other, you know, with, with just, you know, the Arnold at the time was aggregating more eyeballs on the sport than in any other singular event. And we, we've seen that now change with Sheffield and so forth and, and, and raw worlds taking off, but it, it was just amazing because there were just so that room was packed. There was standing room only and everybody was standing on their feet, screaming at the top of their lungs, cheering for him. And it was just, it was electric. What's your, what's your number four, sir? You're up next. I think I'm going to surprise a lot of people, but I know that I'm going to make her happy. Um, coming in at number four, I have Natalie Richards at 2023 IPF worlds. And, Ooh. um, Yep. And I, and I tell you why. So, so I had, you know, I had Leah Bavois in contention for this. If I had a four A and a four B, I'll be honest. I had, I had Leah at four B with her Arnold performance um, in 2023. The only drawback is that it was matter of factly the Arnold. And so it was more of this showcase competition. Leah clearly knocked it out of the park. She had the biggest total that she's ever had. She squatted the most she's ever done. She deadlifted the most that she's ever done. And oh, by the way, she went head to head with Corolla Gara, even though I think at the time, Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, Corolla was not 100 coming into that meet and was a little bit off. But anyway, um, and perhaps we'll see a rematch, you know, at Sheffield and that's a whole nother podcast. But my point is with Natalie Richards is it satisfies all those criteria that I think Ryan and Rory and, and Eric and I love. And that's the fact that it, th there was a head-to-head -head battle. And oh, by the way, this was her first world championships. This was her first international competition, her first overseas travel. Talk about heavy opposition. She's going up against Jad Jacob, who at the time, you know, checks all the boxes in terms of pedigree. And, and she goes head-to-head, toe-to-toe, goes nine for nine. She wins the best lifter award. So she satisfies the criteria in terms of GL points and she sets a total world record. And it's nice to see somebody who, who isn't an outlier in any one of these singular disciplines, you know, be the squat, the bench or the deadlift, be able to put together a performance like that 
and put together such a mind-blowing um, world record total. And, and, you know, it's cliche to say, and it's kind of this recency bias thing that people always say, but I mean, it's it, the best is yet to come for her. I think, I think she's just scratching the surface, quite frankly. So, and also, and I've said this many times before, and I just recently saw her at Raw Nationals and I went up and hugged her and reminded her of this. So I just want to make another point. If you rewind the clock to literally almost to the day, one year before, she's bombing out of USAPL Raw Nationals in her best mm. event, the, dead, the deadlift. And not one single time did she complain. She didn't pout. She didn't make excuses. She didn't play the victim card. She took full responsibility for her actions and said, you know, that's on me. I need to get better. She aligned herself with, with, a, with, with a new coach and went back into the lab. And one year later, she's really on top of the world and just does this unbelievable signature performance. And so, I, I yeah, for me, Natalie Richards is, is coming in at number four. Yeah, no. She did phenomenal performance. Not only winning a massive showdown, winning the world title, defeating Jai Jacob, who was the reigning uh, world record holder, but also and obviously won the battle of 57s in Sheffield, defeating the world record champion in the rematch against Joy Namani. So Jai Jacob, quality opposition right there, but also defeated everybody else in winning best lifter. That's right. Massive performance by Natalie Richards. Good call. I'm going to give you guys my number three, and I don't think you guys will have this one on your list, but this one is a favorite of mine, and we'll see what people say when I put it out there. John Hack, 2016 <laughs> performance, defeating Brett Gibbs to become a world champion, and for a little perspective, yeah, the New Zealand crowd's like, okay, perfect. This one's on there. <laughs> but bear with me. This one changed the game for hype. I've said it a million times. I don't go, I won't go over the everything around it, but in terms of the hype around this one, in feeling the pressure and rising to the occasion, we had never seen hype like this before. We weaponized social media for the first time in the entire community was behind Hack versus Gibbs. SBD made posters like they were boxers facing off in studio life-size bigger than life-size posters it was the wildest i was running the instagram on on ipf and every flipping week i would post each of their training sessions back to back to show them going back to back asking who's going to win there was bold talk by both parties both guys coming from different nations on the opposite sides of the world it was huge and by the time it rolled around to that day standing room only and I still, to this day, when you look at the video of Matt Gary and Joey Flex telling John Hack, and there are three legends of the game I just mentioned, behind the curtain saying, come on, John, it's all down to this. The very last deadlift by Hack would make him go nine for nine against an all-time great in Brett Gibbs. And the curtain opens and you see the standing room crowd chanting, and it's in U.S., and Hack is an American about to seal the deal, and he goes out there, his knees shake, the engine revs, and he locks it out. How big of a performance was it? Not look at numbers like all sports. It's going to be, it's going to pale in comparison to these days, but then let's give some historical significance in comparison. The year before, 775 won the world championships. This year, 813. So, Hack, in terms of 
was it breaking apart from the pack that way? Yes. In terms of significance with did people care when it happened leading into and did hack have pressures and the rest of the community cared? Yes. Since then, does it hold up? Absolutely. Still the weight lifted that day, but he went nine for nine in a pressure cooker situation against an all-time great who had the winning lift up to his knees in Brett Gibbs. And how good was Brett Gibbs? Brett Gibbs was the first 83 to have a 10 times body weight total. A, a multiple-time <laughs> world champion himself ended up being a rival of Russell Orhe. Everyone knows who Brett Gibbs is and what he's all about. And that's who Hack had to beat to become the best. Um, and again, a nine-for-nine nine day in these pressure cooker uh, situations, Matt will appreciate that. For me, this checked a lot of boxes. And in 10 years to come, some of these standout performances, and we're going to have this conversation right now. Look what Taylor did in 2021. And already people are like, yeah, but by the numbers. And we're looking past his numbers. You know what makes your performance last while? Defeat someone head-to-head. And people forget about your numbers, but they'll remember how they felt when you came out of that fucking curtain and the crowd was chanting. <laughs> Who's got next? Eric, it's you, playboy. Well said. And I don't think I'm going to be able to pitch mine quite as well because my number three <laughs> spot on the women's side was one that I, I absolutely know is colored by my personal bias and personal experience. So at first, I had it as Jess Bittner's 2022 win. Uh, pulling the heaviest record at the time, under pressure against Agata Shiko winning on body weight. And then I did the whole, I need to be an unbiased judge. And I said, no, I can't do that. And I thought, all right, what's... Right after that, Carlina Tongotia at Commonwealth's total 600. Mm-hmm. So I chose that. I was physically there. And I remember seeing that going, good God, this is what I'm going to have to deal with next year. Um and uh, so so I think my, my personal experience, because she was going unopposed, but again, it's one of those situations where it was a stratospheric uh, performance, as Matt Gary so perfectly and eloquently said earlier, because it was the first 600 kilo total in the 76 kilo class. And it was just right after these two world champions at Worlds are killing themselves to total 585. And she goes, hey, well, how about 15 kilos more? What? What? You know, so I remember seeing that and uh, it was electric at Commonwealth when that happened. Um, so that is my women's side number three. And also I spoiled the plot with my honorary mention of Jess Bittner. Again, a biased honorary mention, but how can you not? And I felt better that someone else already has it on their list. On the men's side, I don't know if anyone will have this. So I'll be interested to see if anybody feels this way. Jesse Norris, 2014, <laughs> totals 914. At 21 years old, under 90 kilos. And this is historic because to this day, the 90 kilo class is still trying to get there. We got Brandon Petrie talking about it. Beef on the internet between Russ and Brandon just because someone's saying they're going to do it. Like, oh, look, if you're going to call it that kind of a historic performance, then, you know, things are going to happen on the gram, you know. Um, (laughs) And as silly as it is today on the internet, it was silly in 2014. The internet's collective head exploded when he did that total. Um, and I remember conversations online like, oh, he's got to be on gear. And everyone's like, dude, the guys on gear can't even do this. You know, this, this is a Jesse Norris thing. Like this is, and yeah. today we're nearly a decade later and no one is quite there. 
You know, I, I can think of some people if they wanted to cut down to 90 who might be able to do it. I think Brandon Petrie is one of the obvious ones. I think maybe, you know, Ashton Rouska, if he was yes. to, to get all diced up. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, on the recent King of the List podcast, he was talking about how there's a big, a big difference from him from 93 to 90. Um, you know, he's, he's just getting too jacked. So I, uh, I think to, 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 even though that wasn't, again, there was no head to head battle. I don't think it was a, you know, didn't have some of the other qualities, but again, it's just, I guess I'm favoring the performances that are just like when the internet breaks, you know, that's, that's <laughs> kind of where my head's at. So anyway, that, that's my number three pick on the men's side. Like I said, Carlina Tongo Tia, 600 kilos on the women's side. They both fulfill one of those uh, on each on each side of it, like a, a what moment. So that's me. I hummed in hard about putting that one on. It yeah. was relatively like local meat style pound plates, I believe, yada, yeah. yada. But it, it pound plates or whatever, like I, there's very a of it. It happened. The, the squats were to death. It's crazy. I hummed in hard that one in freak, man. I don't know. These lists. <laughs> Rory, what do you it's got hard. for number three? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I say all three of the performances that Eric just called out were on my like long list of you know, like I I had Jesse Norris, I you know, I I had John Hack, I had Brett Gibbs, I I had Jesse Butner, I like I had all of these on my long list, and I could only pick five, except everyone could only pick five, except Eric who picked fourteen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just uh, but no, my number three was uh, Taylor Atwood's eight thirty eight point five because like everybody has already said, it was just stratospheric, right? Like, yes. Perk has done more at a very similar body weight now, but like at the time it was 26 and a half kilos ahead of the next best total at that body weight, which was also Taylor Atwood. And it was 38 and a half kilos ahead of the next best lifter at 74 kilograms. It's just an enormous leap in what we thought was possible. And so to me, that is a more notable performance than Perkins because it was such a huge leap forward. Whereas Perkins is like a relatively smaller jump. It's, it's incredible. It's still 13 kilograms more. It's still an amazing performance. Uh, but Taylor Atwood's performance on that day was just so far ahead of anything else that we could have thought of at the time. And, and for that reason, that's one of my, you know, standout performances in my mind. You got Matt. Yeah, I like I, I like what you added there, um, Rory. That that does make a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean, I'm mine's already been mentioned, but I'll mention it again and just add a couple more things. So I do have Austin Perkins as my number three. Um, it's yeah, it it trumped what Taylor did by a by a significant amount. I think we can all agree that it was it was anticipated. Um, like Rory said, what Taylor did was not anticipated. It was it was otherworldly. Um, it it Perkins's performance still is just is is mind blowing to me. Um, he did go nine for nine. It's the heaviest total that we've ever seen at that body weight, obviously. And oh, by the way, he would have won the eighty two point fives easily. I might add, he would have placed third in the ninety kilo class. He would have placed second in the one hundred kilo class. It's better than the 83 kilo IPF world record, I might add. And oh, by the way, it's only, I say only, 93.7% of the equipped world record at 74 kilos. So, so put that in your pipe and smoke it in terms of 
what what Perkins achieved at this meet. I mean, he he could go to equipped worlds, lift raw, and probably make you know some noise. So for for me, I've got Austin coming in at number three. Yeah, I got a feeling our top threes. You could you could argue me either way, and I'd agree with you. <laughs> That's how close these are. Let me move into my number two. My number dose, and um, I'm going to continue this conversation slash debate. This is where I'm putting Taylor's performance, 838.5. Here's why. If we're talking why above the Perkins performance, well, like I already said, you could probably talk me into Perkins as well. I'm very, very close to it. The reason why is, as we already stated, Taylor went first, and Perkins is is mind-blowing, but... I can wrap my head around it where Atwood at the time, I swear to God, I kid you not. Everybody was like, how the fuck? Like I just could not, it was, I, I could not wrap my head around it. Nobody could. And it opened up everybody's ideas on what was possible. I, I, I believe Perkins kind of paraphrasing was like, I mean, he, he said on the, on the Kingless podcast, he set the standard. Man. He was like, Oh my God, well, that's what it is now. And Perkins did phenomenal in besting that by 13 kilos. But what Atwood did with that 74 kilo, the spread between him and the other 74s was incredible. And um, when he did it, if Russ wasn't there, now this is before the political drama, if Russ wasn't there, he also would have broken the 83 kilo world record, by the way. He also would be the number one 83, not just on that day, but all time. He would right. be. He would have achieved what Perk did as well. Politics also, is, also, also, if he'd made the bench, if the bench would have counted, right? So yeah. Perkins, unfortunately, politics right now is ugly in powerlifting. I'm not gonna tell anybody. So, <laughs> due to politics, Russ wasn't there, and situations change. But just giving a little perspective, Taylor Atwood at that point in time when he did 838.5, however you want to judge it, whether it's world record how far ahead he was the rest of the pack, or do you like formulas? He had dots, wilks, and Gulliv points. There's not a formula you can use, my friends. He had all of them. He had world records, national titles. Everything was wood. There was no debate. Period. Um, and he was the reigning pound-for-pound pound king, and that was that. And it was mind-blowing, and I'm, I'm that's why he's in my number two, and he nudges past Perk. But I'm telling you, you got great debates on Perk as well. And if I'm fighting this, I'm not taking this to the grave. It's not the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> but so it is what it is. Eric, what are you thinking, love? It's actually perfect because I had Perkins at number two. So oh, yeah. So <laughs> as you got, you might have remembered I had I had Taylor and under this, and 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 really, it's basically. Everything you just said, and then Perkins did a little more and yeah. um, <laughs> did it younger, did it at a lower RPE, went nine for nine. Shit, man. Um, there, I mean, there were some things that that make it not the number one. Like he did 825 a little before. It, it, it was not as much of a shock. You know, it was coming off of, you know, uh, Taylor, but it, it, it was just very difficult for me to put Taylor above Perkins in this situation. Um, just because he did more, and I think by the time if he's injury free and he's in his and he's thirty, when Taylor hit that, what is he going to total? Late seventy? Like, come on! Like, what's happening? So, 
that's my pick for Perkins. Um, he's in the number two spot on the men's side. Of course, I have been cheating. I'm continuing to cheat. Number two spot on the women's side, Evie Corrigan, Sheffield. Talk about the upsets and the surprises. Um, you took someone who was the, uh, the the plucky underdog who got the regional invite, who is a very, very good 57. You know, junior world champion, top five, top three. You know, like, oh, she's got a real good total. It's good to see New Zealand represented. And said, actually, how about I just drop a weight class and win? You know, so... Um, and I, I almost think this is one that got solidified by our performance at Worlds because it wasn't just this one off, and um, it, it wasn't it wasn't a magic trick. She said, "How about I do that going eight for eight and win a world championship?" Oh yeah, and by the way, how about against someone who's who's the favorite to win, maybe or or like like a, a legit contender? Um, so uh, there's definitely some bias there. She's a personal friend, you know. Again, you got half of half of this podcast is is New Zealand coaches. Um, and New Zealand lifters. So, uh, you know, the last couple of picks have obviously been influenced by my personal uh, perspective, but um, I'm going to lean into that because it's subjective anyway. So there it is. Let me add one caveat before we throw it to Rory, but you make a good point where how her win grew in significance um, by the world championships. That actually happens in sports period where let's also just say, Let's say in 2024, Russ doesn't beat 851, and then it becomes Perkins. It becomes Perkins be like, yeah, I got you. Russ wasn't there. Taylor had to face Russ. If Russ wasn't there for Taylor, he also would have been able to say what I'm saying. Well, let's say Russ comes back and still doesn't. He can win his class, but doesn't hit 851. It changes things. Perspective. And this happens in all sports. Perspective grows. And with more time, you look back and like, you know what? You were further ahead of the pack than we thought. And that's fair. New evidence comes and you and, and you reevaluate the past. So we're this is a timestamp, and it'll be interesting to see how we all feel about all this moving forward. That's why, again, not dying on these hill here, people. If you're gonna infiltrate my DMs and some hardcores always do on these podcasts. Rory, hop in here. I'm covering my bases and my ass. We <laughs> got in here. I'm really surprised nobody has picked my number two yet, actually. Um, maybe you've all got her at number one. Uh, Chen Weiling's 2015 Classic World Championships performance. Uh, so she went, so 47 kilo weight class. She went eight for nine. She missed her third bench press, uh, 152.5 kilo squat, 80 kilo bench press, 175 kilo deadlift, totaled 407.5. And that world record stood until like 2022. That was like a seven-year total world record, which I think is tied with uh, Sergei Fedosenko for the longest standing world record total. Um, it was eventually broken in 2022 by Tiffany Chapon. Um, and I think both Heather Connor and Tiffany Chapon had done more than that in domestic meets prior to the world record total actually being broken. But at the time, it was a 12 and a half kilo world record total on top of Chen Wei Ling's world record total from two years earlier, which was her like previous classic performance. She's mostly an equipped person. Like she just dabbles in classic for fun, I think. Um, and retrospectively, because good lift points didn't exist yet, but retrospectively, it would have been the highest good lift points of all time at the time. Um, it was a it was a 114 good lift points. And I think I went and looked at all of the other performances and the next best that I could find prior to that was... Uh, 113 across both men and women. So it was, 
I think it's easy to overlook because it is a bit of a historic performance now. It's a lighter weight class. People tend to pay just like a little bit less attention to the lighter weight classes, maybe because the absolute numbers are a little bit less impressive. But by every measure that I can think of, this performance, just absolutely incredible. And not only does yep. she compete in equipped, she's also an Olympic gold medalist in Olympic weightlifting. And she's an Olympic, yep, yes, absolutely. It's yep. freaking crazy. She powerlifting was her side piece, in yep. and cl- and classic was, was like year. the side side piece to that. What was, like, what was the side piece it, she would call once a god blue moon, and and was breaking world records seven years ahead of her time. Blah blah blah. It's crazy. Yeah, one of the most extraordinary athletes that I've ever had the pleasure of being around and get to know. Um, my wife Susie and I have a pretty. Um, or had a pretty good relationship with the the Chinese Taipei team back in those equipped days, and then leaning into the early stages of RAW, like Rory said, when when Weiling Chen was competing, um, you know, at the RAW World Cup, and then of course in Russia and so forth. Um, yeah, she was ahead of her time. She, uh, this was kind of her side gig, if you will. Like Ryan said, she got gold medal in weightlifting in the Olympics. And some of the things that I've seen her do in training halls, I need to drop some of that footage because I think it would absolutely blow your mind. Um, please, I think please that, drop that footage. I would yeah, love I just, to see that. I, yeah, I've got some footage of her playing around the day after she won in Sweden. She came into the warm-up room and I was actually doing some training and kind of a fun fact for me and kind of just literally like made my year is I was actually doing some deadlifting and then some RDLs and she came up and she didn't speak English, but through a translator, she like stuck her finger in my armpit by my lat. And she's like, oh, very good. She's like, your technique on the RDLs was like pristine. And I was like, oh my God, I'm blown away. Here's a weightlifter, you know, a world-class weightlifter telling me that I'm doing the RDL correctly. Um, and that just kind of made my day. But yeah, she, some of the a stuff that she did in the armpit. <laughs> yeah, she stuck. She's, the lats she are on, baby. Yeah, exactly. That's what she was doing. She was like making sure that my lats were tight. The lats she's are like, on, baby. That translate. Yeah. Imagine she hit that in perfect English. You're like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I had to say two things your lats are on, baby, and where's the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> She was, yeah, she was just extraordinary. And, and through talking to her, like I said, always through a translator, um, she was such a delightful human being. And, um, you know, equipped was her main thing. And also, you know, because of some knee injuries and so forth, she she had to do some of the equipped stuff. I think a little bit, you know, the wear and tear from the deep knee bends and the weightlifting and so forth kind of took her, took their toll on her. But, um, you know, if you, if you also want to see somebody who's literally tougher than tough, um, go ahead and, and and look at her 210 kilo equip squat yes. that, she did the, that she had to yep. replace and then do it a third time. Uh, I can't even imagine taking a PB um, equipped and having to re-rack the bar twice. And then, by the way, having about two to three seconds to get that squat command and she still hits the lift. And it's, you know, and it was a world record at the time and so forth. Just an extraordinary athlete. I can't yep. say enough good things about her. If and when, Ryan, we ever do this GOAT podcast, she will certainly be in the discussion. She's won the World Games. That girl has done it all. Um, and just an extraordinary lifter. And oh, by the way, also, just to add a little bit of um, context as well, oftentimes she was only taking the bare minimum in what she needed <laughs> to secure the W. So it's like she would go out and hit these third deadlifts and you're like, what the hell was that? That looked like an opening attempt. Like, you know, she didn't even need anymore. So her, 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 you know, I think her best raw total was 407 and a half and, you know, and, and no discredit to Tiffany Chapone and the people that have come after her who have, who have now exceeded that total, but had Wei Ling actually, you know, 
had it been necessary for her to quote unquote, put her foot all the way down on the gas, my goodness, I think she'd literally and figuratively be right there with the totals that we're seeing now. But anyhow, um, so are we, are we on number two? Cause I've lost track. We're on number two. two. Play, boy. Yeah. We're, okay. So we're doing our number twos. So um, look in, in, in a sport that, that values absolute strength and total weight lifted um, for that reason, um, I don't see any reason why I can't have Alexis Jones' recent performance of 721 as my number two performance. Because, and, and, and I think, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm leading on to where I think we're all sitting at number one. But suffice it to say, Alexis Jones' full stop is the strongest female powerlifter on the planet. And she has done things that we have never seen before out of a raw drug-tested female. To Eric's point, she's still a junior, Right. She's a student. She works full time. Go ahead and listen. I'm going to plug the other podcast for just a second. She was recently on the Australian podcast, the Perform Motion podcast, and I was listening to that today. Um, and I actually sent her a DM and I said, you know, people aren't talking about you, but I sure am. And I think you're going to come up in conversation. You know, Eric has already mentioned her. The rest of us have already mentioned her. So just to put this total in perspective, um, not not only is it the ha- the heaviest raw um, total ever, but it's 28 kilos above the current IPF world record. And yes, I understand it was done on home soil. I understand that it was done in a USAPL meet. She didn't have to travel. She didn't have to face the strict judging and all of those things, but she's coming. She has every intention, right, of transitioning to Powerlifting America to now try to attack those other goals that she has and check those boxes. And I know that she's um, intentionally doing that and looking forward to that. So for all the people who are out there who are the naysayers, just, just hang on, she's coming. And I think that, you know, we will soon see, and I'm not, look, I know that Brittany Schlater is going to get stronger. I know that Sonita is going to get stronger. I know that Bonica is probably pissed off at her performance and wants to try to come back and write that ship. But what we've seen out of Alexis Jones and, and the ease with which she has done it as well, um, you know, these, these lifts look comfortable and they're pristine. They meet the standard. Um, she doesn't get any red lights or, or many red lights, I should say, if any, you know, and she's on the cusp here of benching 400 pounds. You know, she just benched 172.5, which is just freaking mind blowing. I've never benched 400 pounds. I mean, it's, it's just insane. So it's like, it's unbelievable the things that she's doing. And again, kind of a cliche statement, but literally and figuratively where she is and her, her stages of development and the rate of adaptation, oh yeah, her best is yet to come. And so we just saw 721. It's like unfathomable to think of what she might be capable of when she really does have to push. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, Eric is holding up fingers, you know what I mean? Like an 800 kilo total. I mean, it's, you know, it's plausible. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that's out of the question. And so anyway, um, that's why I have Alexis Jones at number two in a, in, a, in a sport where it's, like I said, absolute and total amount of weight um, is, is taken seriously. I mean, how else are we judging the sport? That, matter of factly, is the goal. Forget the metrics, forget the formulae, all these different things. Full stop. She's the strongest, period, end of report. Leads me to my number one. Perfect segue. Huh? We're, we're cooking with grease today. Jesus Oliveris, nine for nine performance at Sheffield is my number one with a bullet. Coming off of 2022 Worlds, 
he was under all types of scrutiny. Now it feels like so far in the past, we forget. So many people were like, he can't hit depth, can't lock him out. I'm talking about Rory. And it was a question <laughs> That's about That's can, he meet, <laughs> can he meet the standard? But honestly, it was a question, to be fair. He did struggle to meet the standard, to be fair. I was calling that in, in the commentary booth, his knees for deadlifts locked, unlocked, etc. And at Sheffield, it actually ended up being, remember, he went to Sheffield on a wild card. They saw that coming. He needed a wild card to just make it to Sheffield. Nobody saw that coming. Shows up to Sheffield, goes nine for nine, hitting the biggest total we've ever seen in powerlifting, period. Tested or untested, the strongest human, the biggest performance our sport has ever seen. Has to be my number one. Nine for nine performance. And to this day, still number one on Wilkes. Which, so he's got one of the formulas. It's tough for a big man to have a formula. Wilkes is the big man formula if you're going to have one. And he's got it. So, Jesus Oliveris, my number one pick for the greatest performance of all time. I'm going on kilos. Keep your formulas. I'm going on kilos. Eric? Cosign. What are you thinking? Those, those laps Co are cosine tight, on the. Cosine what did you on say? What was your. What was your. What was my your answer quote? was. Yeah, yeah th those right. laps are, are, are on point, baby. And, and that That's pick right. is on point. Um, Thank you. I got the same one for the same reasons. Don't need to rehash it. Big shout out to him. Of course, again, still cheating. I have a women's pick as well. And it has also already been mentioned. And for me, I think it ranks higher because it was more of a surprise. Um, Natalie Richards. Mm. First time she came out. Awesome. Um, nine for nine performance. Only 24. In contention in a heavily contended weight class. I mean... And let let's 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 be clear here. We were like, oh, in in the preview, who's going to win best lifter? We've got either Amanda Lawrence or we've got Leah Bavwa. Oh, maybe Carol Degara and Carol Degara surprise everybody. Oh my God! And then wait, wait, oh, Natalie Richards won best lifter. So I I had just had a very tough time with, like I didn't see that coming at all. And maybe it just means I wasn't paying attention and I'm I'm ranking it too high. But I think all the reasons that Matt gave earlier is the reason why it's number one for me. Um, mm. on the women's side, and uh, yeah, so that's my picks. That's 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 my two number ones, Natalie Richard on the women's side, Jesus Olivares on the men's side, for all the reasons that both of you gentlemen already so eloquently said, and they do not need to be rehashed. Murray, what you got again? Both of those were on my on my long list, but my actual number one is as Eric had before, Evie Corrigan. Um, the day of Sheffield felt a little bit like a sucker punch for a lot of people. I think uh, so a lot of like, I, I, I sort of knew it was coming because I knew she was cutting away class. And, and I, I don't think many people did though. I think a few people had, had guessed, um, but she hadn't publicly said anything. So it felt a little bit like a sucker punch, but there was nothing, there was nothing tricky. There was nothing. There was no magic tricks. There was no, like she went in, she went nine for nine. She made attempts and she totaled 5% over the world record total like this. And then she went to the world championships three or four months later, had exactly the same total, only not even taking her third deadlift. Um, it was, 
Yeah, it was just really, really good. Obviously, she's a personal friend. Obviously, she's a New Zealander. Obviously, I used to train with her for a very long time. So, like, I've, like, I, obviously, I'm very biased here. Um, but this is sports talk. I'm allowed to be biased. That's it's kind of kind of our job, right? Um, but that performance, I think, surprised a lot of people. It added a lot to the world record total. It's, um, I think, it upset a lot of people's picks for what they thought was was possible at that weight class or what they thought was going to happen at Sheffield. Um, and it was the biggest meet of all time. Like, I don't know what else to say. She won the biggest meet of all time. So I got. Yeah, I was just going to add, and, and Eric and Rory, clearly you know her vastly better than I do. I've only met, had the pleasure and honor of meeting Evie on one occasion, perhaps two if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. But no one better in the community to deliver that sucker punch than her. Literally yeah. Yeah. no one. Because the epitome of just a friendly, good soul, humble, and didn't see that coming. And it's like literally, I mean, it's 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 funny to me. It's it's excellent. And and so happy that she was the one to do that, that she was the one to drop down like that and execute that plan to a T. And so kudos to her, kudos to both of the New Zealanders on this panel, because I know that just your relationship with her, you you two threw your hand in the pile, if not if not literally, but figuratively through your friendship and support of her. So and and of course Jason Clark and Kendrick Kwan, the whole crew, just phenomenal. So um, but yeah, I, I've got to agree with uh, with my man Ryan and of course Eric here in terms of of of, of Jesus Olivares and what again in, in a sport that values you know, kilos over anything else that that is the ultimate deciding metric for me. And again, a stratospheric performance, if you will, something that we've never seen heaviest total of all time done at arguably the biggest meet. Um, yeah. And just, you know, put pushing boundaries further and further out past the buoy, you know, that we thought was even possible. And so, um, yeah, I have Jesus as my number one. You talk about some of these honorable mentions, but I think I'll, if you have <clears throat> additionals, I, I think all of us are in agreement. Like, for instance, Alex, Natalie, you know, like these are honorable mentions that they didn't make my five, but they're going to be in my honorable mention. A lot of our lists cover our accompanying other honorable mentions. We're probably all on the same page with a lot of those. Mm -hmm. um, Evie, obviously. I mean, I hummed and hawed on that one. How do I not get Evie in there? She's my honorable mention. And and I could be talked into bumping somebody and putting in Evie. Putting in is very difficult. Um, so we probably covered each other's honorable mentions. Is there, though, an honorable mention not or covered. other performance that needs to be mentioned? The only honorable mention I have that was not covered is Rondo Hunt. Totally yeah. 1045, purposely That's weighing in under 120. Um, yeah. Sheerly for the fact that there was so many other ridiculous performances at USAPL Mega Nats, I did not, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get him there. Uh, on the list at 1045, but that's that's incredible when you look at what's been done in the 120s and the IPF and how dominant those performances were when they happened by Dennis Cornelius. Uh, this is another level above that. So uh, yeah, big shout out to Rondell Hunt at 119. Even though he's in the yeah. 125s, totaling 10.5, which is a good super heavyweight total, just to put it, it out there. Oof. 
Yeah, Ron, Rondell is, I, I just want to piggyback on everything that Eric said. So Eric summed it up nicely. Um, the only knock against Rondell is essentially this was an exhibition competition for him. And he actually warmed up on the same rack as as, as uh, my lifter. So I got to spend a lot of quality time with Rondell and get to know him better and his coach Sanjeev. So hats off to both of those guys. Um, you know, this essentially was an exhibition for him. Setting that aside, 66.5 kilos over the IPF world record at 120, which is currently and still held by Dennis Cornelius at 978.5. And oh, by the way, um, and, and this is where open powerlifting is such, a, such an awesome database. So thank you to the people who contribute to that and to run it. It is tied for the 18th heaviest total of all time. And oh, by the way, every lifter who's above him with the exception of three, and I'm not trying to throw shade, are in all likelihood taking Flintstone vitamins. So um, just, you know, take that for what you will. Um, it's just an extraordinary total. And, and quite frankly, um, I fully believe that talking to Rondell and to Sanji, they were so hung up on getting that 600 dot score and they intentionally took those attempts in the way that they did that clearly those attempts would be chosen differently if he actually had head-to-head -head competition, number one. And number two, now that he's kind of checked that box, so to speak, I mean, he's proven time and time again now. We've been expecting this 400-kilo-plus deadlift out of Rondell Hunt, and it's unquestionable that this guy has the strength to do it, and I think we're going to see it, um, you know, sooner rather than later. But they were intentionally going for that 600, you know, dots, and they kind of wanted to satisfy that. And the reason – you know, after speaking to Rondell kind of behind the scenes, the reason that he missed that 397 and a half on a second attempt is there were some large divots in that platform. So just add a little backstory. And so I think he he put his foot in one of those divots accidentally or didn't get quite lined up, you know, where he wanted to be. And that was in his mind's eye, responsible for the, the unevenness and the bar shake and the up and down and that sort of thing. And then he was able to come out on the third one, albeit with the accumulated fatigue of having missed the second one, you know, having it be so untidy, but was able to seal the deal. So yeah, that Rondell Hunt is on my honorable mention list as well. Just an extraordinary performance doing it 120, what again, we didn't think was possible. And so just leading the pack. I mean, he's just so far out ahead of everybody. And I, and I know that I'm not alone in saying that all of us on this panel and a lot of us in the powerlifting community yearn for the day when we can get this politic crap out of the way and get this guy back, you know, where he belongs, which is at an IPF World Championships and then presumably even further. You know what I mean? Let's see if he could make it to a Sheffield and so on and so forth, because he definitely that's where this guy belongs. Having won the juniors in 2018, you know, trumping the open total that, you know, Bryce Lewis achieved that year. <laughs> you know, Eric and I were there. I'm like, you know, I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, thank God he didn't lift in the open because we would have had to contend with this cat. You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, Rondell is on my honorable mention list. Just a phenomenal performance. Let me add something else. And let me ask, gentlemen. Because Rondell, I'm glad you said Rondell Hunt. Did Rondell Hunt not do in the 120s what Perkin Atwood did in the 74s? Yeah. I think he kind of did. Did he not? Yeah. Did he I mean, not, though? And we see he didn't face opposition. What opposition? With all due he, respect, 
Yeah, that's true. That, that, and and, and that that's, why I add, that's why I added that piece in that when you go on to open powerlifting, it's the eight, tied for 18th in the heaviest raw totals ever. Tested and untested, like I, yeah. Tested and untested. And like I said, I found three names on the list. You know, Jesus being one, Ray being the other. And I'm trying to remember who the third one was. Oh, it was Jezza, Weppa. Jezza. Well, those guys, th those guys outweigh him by... <laughs> By a lot. 70, 80 kilos? Yeah, by, by many, many kilos. And so it, what he did is just it, – it, it Jessica Again, Bittner. I, I keep yeah, – Jessica Bittner. She's a I unit of using, measure now. Yeah, I, I keep using that term stratospheric, but it's it just – yeah, it does. It, it The performance puts him in a galaxy all by himself. So, yeah. Another another honorable mention I had was Ashton because the – I was going to say, yeah. I don't – he had – in the uh in, in the one tens. Um, you know, and he was real close to one oh five. And uh, you know, between him, Keenan and Bob, you know, nine sixty and oof. It's it's it, it is it's 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 only slightly different because there's three guys right there and it's not that far off what we're seeing uh, in the IPF either. Again, with him being in a position in the IPF where he is not needing to push himself as far as he can. So I, I think it um there there's a lot of people clustering there. So I I, I chose Rondell for my honorable mention instead of Ashton, but I was hemming and hawing there. It's true that he didn't do to the rest of the pack what like Atwood, Perk, and Rondell have done. However, it's also true he won with Bob Matthews going head to head. With opposite. And I love him when people are like who did you ever beat? Bob Matthews got as much hype, as much talent. I mean, Bob Matthews is special as hell. It all said and done, I really love a good, like, show up with a – it was by far the most heavily hyped showdown mm. of USAPL Nats this year, and he wasn't the favorite. I think Bob no. Matthews was probably a favorite. We don't have odds in powerlifting, obviously, but if I could take a temperature of the room, I think it was Bob Matthews, and he came out on top. And Keenan Lee is no slouch. He would have won IPF Worlds. Um, I mean, could have, would have, should. I don't want to get into that today, yeah. but total wise, it's up there. So, I, I don't know. Yes, he didn't murk everybody like Rondell and Atwood and Perk, but he had opposition show up. So that, and I love that. That's why I got Hack over Gibbs, Amanda over Mello. That's why those make my list. I appreciate those those performances as well. I also, in terms of honorable mentions, these are performances that, again, if someone told me, excuse me, Rondell did to his weight class what Atwood did to his weight class. I would say, you're right. You're right. And I would, and they're like, I have him on my list. I think I'm fine with that. I absolutely be fine with that. I think the only reason is that the, um, to do it to the 120s is a little different than doing it to the, to one of the kind of middleweight weight classes, just because they're so heavily contested. And that's the like that's the only rationale I can have as to why it didn't quite tick over into that top five for me. But um yeah, I I think I think it 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 is absolutely an argument. None of us would be like, mm, nah, it shouldn't be top five, you know. So for sure. And and the also people could be like, um, they'll compare the 74s to the 83s, whereas Ron Dell's like, what, you're going to compare me to Jesus, though? Like, I don't actually can't. I got to be He's not like, that far off at 1045. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but it would be. Elite super heavies are over 1,000, period. Yeah. You know? Right, right, right. It, yeah. 
in terms of world record versus world record though whereas sure. like perk obviously peaked over russ's and uh yeah rondell like wow freak man i got the super heavies over me but um but anyways any more performances gentlemen I'll, I'll throw a couple out. I think most of mine have been mentioned, but I'll, I'll throw a couple more more out. Um, if somebody told me that Brett Gibbs being the heaviest person to do 10 times body weight at the time that uh, 2018 when he did that, yeah, yeah. Head to head, 10 times body weight. I think he went 830.5 at, at 83. Phenomenal groundbreaking performance at the time. And uh, I believe that Jezo Uepa was the uh, the first man to squat a thousand pounds in an international competition. Ray had done it in domestic meets prior to that, but uh, uh, Jezo Uepa was the first person to do it in a um, in an international meet. And so, if somebody told me that that performance was on their list as something that was groundbreaking and you know moving the standard, I again not disagreeing with you. I that Belarus. That was the 2016 Commonwealth. Uh, sorry, right. no, not Commonwealth. Uh, Oceania. Oceania. That's right. Okay. And also, let me throw a little extra on the Brett Gibbs performance, the heaviest 10 times. He did it facing Russell Orkey yeah. in the, yep. the World Championships, which is like, obviously, he turned into a phenomenal, like a legend himself. So who did he do it against? Quality of the opposition was high. He did it in Canada in Russell Orkey's time zone where Brett flew from the other side of the world. Yes, time zones exist, and so does travel, everybody. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. So it was a It's Thursday for me and Rory. I tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Two different days. It's Wednesday here, Thursday there. But anyways, um, yeah, and you guys are in New Zealand. Or actually, Rory's in Australia right now, but yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was a phenomenal performance, and... um, that, that's definitely it may, yeah, these lists are so tough huh you can literally if you you can convince me so many different ways uh any more people or or did we do we think we covered enough i'm sure people are going to come into the dms I, and be like i think we've got some this. historic performances uh, i've got i've definitely got one i think eric might have had one matt i think had uh two you've got two each okay no, i've got two total but i'll let eric do the male and the female deal because maybe we have the same things we we might. I have a so I have a fun one that is a. It's basically a lifter. It's kind of like how we went through Chen Wei Ling. It's not just one performance for her. It's her, her, her career. Uh, I think Jan Todd is a living legend, and if people mm-hmm. don't know it, she was absolutely considered the strongest woman ever for a long time, and she has probably had more singular impact on strength sport on the women's sport than anyone else. Um, and I'm happy to to claim that. Because she went on to go from being an athlete to then getting a PhD in history, specifically on physical culture history, and spearheading along with the late great Terry Todd, uh, the Stark Center uh, at the University of Austin at Texas, which I recommend everyone go to. It is a literal museum of the history of all strength sport. It is huge, amazing, incredible. She is the, the main custodian of that. And she has been the uh, doctoral advisor for many physical culture historians who are now really categorized. Like they're they're the reason why not everything is just going to disappear as an Instagram reel. Um, <laughs> you, that we have the physical proof. We have Bob Peoples' deadlift bar that he loaded with rocks made out of wood. Um, we have just incredible things there. So anyway, some key highlights in 1976. She was the first woman to offic- officially exceed 400 pounds in any powerlift. She deadlifted 412. 
In 78, she was the first woman to total over 1,000. In 77, she was the first woman to squat more than 400. In 78, she was the first woman to total over 1,100. In 79, she lifted the highest total of any woman in the first IPF Women's World Championships. In 81, she was the first woman to exceed 500 pounds. She squatted a 507-pound squat. And this is like baby single ply days, by the way. It's like, you know... We're talking like I got a little bit of saran wrap or like a half of a, I got I got half a tennis ball in the back of my knee kind of deal. Uh, also in 81, uh, she established the highest world records in the heavyweight division with a world squat of 545 and a half, a deadlift of 479, and a total record of 12, 12, uh, 1229.5 pounds. Um, and that was the, she was the first woman to total over 1200 pounds in those lifts at that time in 82. So that is my first historic pick. Um, the next historic pick is another living legend, and this is a specific performance, and it's Ed Cohn. Now, there's some controversy around this because uh, of, of drug testing failure and ban, but I think uh, things were a little different at that time. Um, in 91, I think I'll let Matt speak to that because he was not eight years old like I was. Um, <laughs> but, um, but let's just say that he totaled a 1091.1 kilo total and again like this is old school single ply not comparable to what we have today so that's a 1091.1 kilo total at 100 kilos okay mm-hmm. that is still the second highest single ply total at 100 of all time and it was not beaten until 2011 and 2011 single ply is a very different thing than what it was in 1991. And uh, that's why Ed Cohn is still regarded as perhaps one of the best powerlifters of all time. Um, and to some degree, I just like, yeah, there's there, there, there are, there's some controversy around that, but I'm pretty comfortable making those two my, my historic ones. I got a historical one, but who wants to go first? Rory, you want to go or you want me to add on to what Eric said? Why don't you add on to what Eric said? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, because I have two historical ones. So I'll just, I'll just piggyback. I'll just pick up where Eric left off. Um, and, I'll, and, I, and I'll say Eddie as well. Um, so, the, the, um, yeah, I've got some history with Eddie. I mean, I know him personally. Um, he's, a, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy and um, such an asset to the sport of powerlifting and um, somebody who is revered within the community and certainly considered by many, if you could only pick one, um, as the GOAT, um, you know, the singular greatest powerlifter of all time. Um, and I'm gonna explain some of the reasons in just a moment why, why he's oftentimes granted that title. But the singular performance for Eddie, and there are so many that stick out in my mind, but it has to be 1998. Um, and this was right around the time where um, we had a split, just like we've recently experienced here in America. And so uh, the USPF used to be the affiliate or the gateway into the IPF. And so the USPF um, was no longer the, the IPF affiliate. And the ADFPA, which is the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Association, morphed into the USAPL and it became the USAPL and the USAPL that we know it today and so forth. And so the USA, USA powerlifting became the IPF affiliate right around that time. So the USPF came up with this 
they called it a world championships at the time. And it was in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I flew out there for that meet because I had two lifters um, that were also competing in that meet. And I was there and I literally had a front row seat. And when I say front row seat for Eddie Cohn's performance is I was sitting on my ass Indian style right next to the photographers about six feet in front of the squat rack. So that's how close I was to this other worldly performance where he competed at 110, but weighed, I don't know, 106, 107 kilos. Again, to Eric's point, this is single ply equipment, but not the single ply that we know it today. And the reason that his, his 100 kilo total, you know, to Eric's point that it, that, that had lasted so long is, you know, and eventually got trumped, got trumped because of the bench shirts. But when you think of his squat and deadlift prowess, which he was doing not totally raw, but I mean, oftentimes he pulled in a singlet, which he did at this performance. But at this particular performance, he squatted 1,003. He benched 260, which is 573. He pulled 402 and a half, which is 887. And he totaled 1117.5 kilos at a body weight of around 106, 107, which is a 661 dots for people that like all the metrics and so forth. This was the single heaviest total of his entire career. If you want a signature performance, this was it. It was nine for nine. And oh, by the way, let me tell you about a Jordan-esque moment. He is coming up with the 1003 squat on his third attempt. And he looks at me, but more importantly, he looks at a gentleman sitting next to me who was Marty Gallagher, who um, Eric might know that name was a prominent photographer and coach back in the day who has ties to Kirk Kowalski and so forth. We were sitting there Indian style He's just putting the finishing touches on this 1,003 squat. He looks down at both of us and winks right at us. And it was the most unbelievable. I'm like, I can't believe he just did that. With all this weight on his back, he just looks at us, kind of smirks and winks as he's putting it into the rack. And I'm like, my God. And, and so anyway, so he just hits the most extraordinary performance of his career. And one of the reasons, Ryan, because we talk about out-totaling people, and clearly, look, we, we understand now that powerlifting has – has progressed and the talent pool is deeper than it has ever been. We're seeing more, you know, high tide raises all boats. We use these analogies all the time. And so the talent pool is deeper than it's ever been. And there's more head to head battles. And we all love to see that. So granted, you know, Eddie is literally a one of one type guy, a one of one type lifter, but let me put this in perspective for you. He started his career lifting at 165 pounds you know, a couple of people or a lot of people will compete in multiple weight classes, but he went from 165 all the way up to 110, you know, from a 75 kilo lifter all the way up to 242 in pounds, 110 kilos for people that like kilos, right? And didn't lose a single competition from 19. So from 1983 until when he finished, he was undefeated, undefeated. And his totals oftentimes were the heaviest totals at the meet, period, full stop. So at 100 kilos, he was out totaling the 110s, the 125s, and the 125 pluses. And oftentimes, the only person who would out total him would be one super heavy, like an O.D. Wilson or somebody like that who's weighing over 400 pounds. So that's one of the reasons why Eddie is regarded as the GOAT is because he, you know, we talk about what like Perkins just did, where he out totaled the, you know, the weight classes above him and so forth and broke the world records above him. So it was like, you know, look, when you, when you showed up at a meet and you were competing against him, you were, I mean, it, 
it was never more true that you were fighting for second. I mean, it was just you were fighting for second place. Eddie makes his openers, the meet's over. He's going to win. He was that strong. And in, in that much of another galaxy, so many light years away and, and past everybody else. And so for so 15 for me, years. Yeah, for undefeated. I mean, the guy never lost. And the one time that he lost, I think he lost to like Mike Bridges, who's another guy who will end up on a you know greatest of all time type list and so forth, if you know your powerlifting history. And I think Eddie was injured and came in light and had a severe water cut and all that crap that goes along with it. And so I sound like an apologist, but suffice it to say, um, yeah, that singular performance, which was his greatest singular performance in, to- in terms of total kilos lifted, you know, arguably he'd done better pound for pound in body weights, you know, according to what, you know, like what Eric said, you know, he probably did most of his damage in the 90 kilo and 100 kilo weight classes. Some of the stuff back then was just, it just mind blowing. If you go back and look at the videos, you want to talk about such a, and he's not a little guy, but, but, but a smaller man in terms of his body weight at the time under these monstrous loads, it looks like a cartoon. Like you, you know, when he squatted 859, weighing, you know, that that's 390 kilos, weighing 90 kilos. Like it just doesn't even look right. It looks like somebody, like it's Photoshopped. I mean, it, it looks that weird. So anyway, so Ed Cohn clearly is on my honorable mention for that singular performance. And then, and I won't spend as much time on this one, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention John Hack, his 2022 American pro performance. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite the heaviest total that he's ever put together, but it was the heaviest total of that meet by far. And he did it at a body weight of just under 90 kilos. And I get it with the 24 hour weigh in that sort of thing, but he totaled 1022.5 weighing 89.9, you know, and, and the, the amount of weight that he's deadlifting at that body weight, he pulled 410, a 903 deadlift is just extraordinary. So John Hack is on my, my list. Door. Keep talking. Okay, yeah. he's walking away. <laughs> yeah, keep cooking. Sorry, my neighbor literally just came to my door. No, it's all it's Sorry, it's all good. Away, so he well, he was a John Hack fan. So John, so John Hack, yeah. So John Hack is on my is on my honorable mention list for that for that American Pro performance. Just extraordinary. Can I jump in with my historic historic performance? Okay, a, a little bit like Eric. This is more of a career than a than an individual performance, but I, but I will cite an individual performance as well. Um, Doug Hepburn um, probably moved the bench press more than anybody else ever. Um, I think he so just he said is... his name. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? We just wild. This is uh, first, wild obscure. I actually haven't pulled up. I read his autobiography. Uh, I can't yeah. believe you know Doug Hepburn, but go on. Sorry. <laughs> this is that obscure. Yeah. That, we, that, that is, is definitely a strength legend. Okay. So he's credited with being the first person to bench press 400 pounds. He's credited with being the first person to bench press 500 pounds. He's credited with being the first person to bench press 550 pounds. Uh, I think his career best was about 260 kilograms and he was pushing for 600 when he eventually retired. I think he moved into like pro wrestling or something after that. Um, so this was happening. Uh, I, I believe he bench pressed 500 pounds on in May 1953. So this is actually about... 20 years before like powerlifting even solidified as a specific sport right this is when powerlifting was like 
odd lifts and there was just like a you know like a giant list of things of lifts that you might do to be considered like a like a strong person um so is this a powerlifting performance like not really it's but he moved the bench press way more than probably anybody ever right like uh so and if you've ever heard of the uh, the hip burn method, which is a program you can find online probably for free, um, that's uh, that is reportedly how he used to train, or at least that's yeah. So that you is that's actually, my historic. And real quick here, okay, go on. These are not Alico benches. <laughs> that's the same. No, no. <laughs> yeah. that's what so, I was about to say. Go ahead. So, so the one, so there, there, there's two reasons why, if you look at the historical strength performances before powerlifting became powerlifting in the '60s, that the deadlift was far more developed. There are some credited deadlifts. If you look at Bob Peoples, if you look at uh, some of the overseas lifters, uh, even in the 1900s, there's some claims of 700-pound deadlifts in literally the 1900, early 1900s, late 1800s. Um, you only need the ground for that, right? But to have the ability to squat or bench, you need a rack. So the Steinborn squat, which you might have seen someone do this historic lift in Strongman, where they tilt this lift onto themselves and then get crushed and then stand up. That's what they did before squat racks. Or they would have to literally clean it and then do a front squat or pop it onto their back. Um, Same thing with the bench press. For years, you were looking at floor pressing. Uh, or you were looking at um, people, best case scenarios, starting around the 40s and 50s, is on these skinny ass benches that you would like probably get for like the $10 at the garage sale were the standard, right? Um, and the, uh, the 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 bench presses, I, I can't, I until you've benched on something like that, you know, like where you're like, I'm going to go ahead and bench on a on the seat on a park bench, 500 pounds, Um there you go. He is on a chest. Yes. He's bench it's... pressing on your luggage. And he's doing <laughs> on a, on a chest no you rack in this photo. Did these two guys just like lift this up onto him? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. He literally laid down on a chest that you would have at your grandma's house in the living room. And freaking, and that's what he's doing. They just pull, pull over 500 pounds and put it over. He's got, there's no cushion. It's literally a wooden chest. It he looks like his head is hanging flat. off the end as well. Like he's, his head's like he's not even off the on end. it properly. He's laying by down way, flat backed on a chest. And let me let me do 500 pounds. By the way, la- last comment that I want to make on the historical significance of him doing this in the early 50s. The first recorded instance mm-hmm. in any published journal or that any historian can confirm of anabolic steroid use in the weightlifting community in the U.S. was in 1954. And it was some it was people experimenting. Hipper. It was not. It was actually I'm not. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, so this was, this was un- untested, but before anabolic steroids were known, right? Um, yeah. They, they had yet to become uh, a thing in the weightlifting community, at yep. least at large. There was... And this, there's and this wasn't... Been, yeah. Okay. Overseas, potentially in, in Russia, yeah. maybe as early as the early 50s. Um, but yeah, if and you will see different opinions online because people can't handle people with abs or, or strong benches when they don't have them. <laughs> but if you actually look at like, I mean, I, I have literally looked at FDA records going back into the 30s 
I have researched this extensively because I'm very curious as a, as a drug-free bodybuilder and lifter, but I think it's extremely unrealistic to think anybody is doping uh, in the 40s. And mm-hmm. I, I would actually say impossible um, just based upon the the economics of scale and the fact that, yeah, what are you going to download off Google the, uh, the, 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 the Polish article that is in a chemistry journal, and then you're going to synthesize it in your bathtub? Oh, we, we, we're going to make a transatlantic flight or call. Yeah, none of that existed. So uh, realistically, we're, we're looking at the early to mid 50s as the earliest point. And it's even possible, but extremely unlikely that anyone is taking anabolics. So Doug Hepburn is doing this drug free on yep. your grandma's luggage. When he's and and this wasn't this wasn't even early single play, right? Like he's doing this mostly with no shirt on for a, a lot of the time, right? Like this isn't this isn't no, this wrong. is single play. This is early single play. This is like. Yeah, he's doing it in a wrestling singlet without even a t-shirt underneath most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> he, he also just to give more significance, he also was the world champion in Olympic weightlifting. Uh, mm-hmm. Back and this weightlifting was in the Olympics at the time. Had been in the Olympics since the early 1900s, so it had been in the Olympics for 50 years. And I'm like, well, it was super new. No, and this is when Olympic weightlifting had the military press as well involved, where you bring it up to your chest and press it. And Hepburn was yep. breaking records on that. Surprise, surprise. So he had incredible pressing power. And then he became a professional strongman, and he was in the forefront of being a professional strongman, literally touring around doing feats of strength for money at halftime, like in between periods for hockey, shit like that. Um, yeah, Hepburn's a friggin' legend, broke a bunch of records. They used the weightlifting federation used to keep records for bench press so there wasn't organized um powerlifting but there was record keeping and they actually kept records on him so a lot of these are official records with officials actually taking the records down uh just so it's it's not just folklore and mythology his book is really good right before he died sorry go jump in jump in playboy i i um if if we're going to start talking history i'm going to lose control of myself so (laughs) all right the, the the clean the, so the, the the strict pr- the clean and press was in the Olympics until seventy two. The reason it got removed is because <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll they'll be like oh the Russians messed it up like but that's the American narrative. Everybody was getting yeah. very very good at maintaining this the the specific rules. It's kind of actually very similar to how the bench press has been changed now in the IPF today. Mm-hmm. Like okay you're meeting the rules but I don't like the way that looks. So the internet, if it had existed in the 70s, would have felt this way. People were enabling themselves to meet the strict body criteria, but leaning back to the point where if you look at the actual angle of the press, it was basically a low incline chest press. Mm-hmm. So matter of factly, while today we think of the overhead press in the powerlifting community as maybe a decent for some people, accessory movement for bench press, the bench press was seen as an accessory for the clean and press at this mm-hmm. time. And the only strength sport that was organized was specifically Olympic weightlifting. And in the early 30s, it was actually in the 20s, Olympic weightlifting was one of the events for track and field in the Olympics. And the and the things you would do would change Olympics to Olympics. And it wasn't until the mid-30s, uh, early 30s or late 20s, where it became solidified around those three lifts. Um, and the odd lifts, so curl, bench press, and also just squat and deadlift, they were absolutely recorded because they were considered these key other feats of strength that eventually would become powerlifting. Um, and just to put it out there in perspective, to, to, to discuss the significance of how strong Doug Hepburn was at the time, 
there was two and a half billion people in, in, in the world at that time. That's one third of the population of what it was today. And there was maybe be one fiftieth the density of gyms. Like you could, there you didn't get to, there's no 24 hour fitness. You know what I'm saying? So I, anyway, I just, so I, yeah. I think people, uh, the, the, the degree to which the outliers were outliers back then cannot be understated. And I will now shut up. I'm also reading Ken Patera's uh, autobiography right now. Um, Olympic weightlifting, like, you know, took a, a silver medal worlds and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, man, I love those old stories. I love reading about those guys. And I'm, it's crazy Doug Hepburn guy came into this. But I sh- maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised. I just didn't think he'd make the I thought about, do I throw something crazy like that in there? Um, or or Mark you said Green. you said historic. Like I was like, hey, what's a right. what's a performance that was historic? <laughs> or Mark, we, we, we don't want to have a historic <laughs> podcaster. Then then we're gonna have Mark Henry, Bob Peoples. We're gonna have everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's put a pin. We're gonna get off track here and gonna get all crazy. We also have uh we have a goat podcast we're gonna do in the future where we could dive into like some historical goats here, and um and we'll get into Mark Henry, two time Olympian, but broke world records in his deadlift 410 kilos 903 pounds stood for so long drug tested um you know anyways gentlemen do we want more to throw in here because we can go all day i think we're if we really want to go in historic we're gonna we're gonna be here all day right no they got it we, we won't be able to listen to this it needs to be a reasonable that's right. length that's right that's right Agreed. all right thank you gentlemen for coming on here i couldn't trust anyone else more with it um, I got to see what the hell my neighbor was doing at my front door. <laughs> but for anybody listening, please do subscribe. Give us high ratings. Until next time, six-pack lap it at six up. Are we around?